Welcome. This is the Public Relations Review Podcast, a program to discuss the many facets of public relations with seasoned professionals, educators, authors, and others. Now, here is your host, Peter Woolfolk. Welcome to the Public Relations Review Podcast and to our listeners all across America and around the world. Now, question, what is the crisis in crisis communications? It appears too many small businesses and others are not aware of what can actually constitute a crisis. So just what is a crisis? And when should you begin to plan actions to be taken when a crisis occurs? Now, my guest today can answer that. Ask most managers and executives how to define crisis communications, and they usually envision a press conference outside their office doors with an endless crowd of reporters, cameras, and microphones. Now, therein lies the problem. Most events originate outside traditional media circles that managers and others fail to see or anticipate. Now, Dave Oat possesses more than 25 years of strategic public relations experience, spanning a wide array of adverse public events. Starting as a U.S. Naval Public Affairs Officer and later as a Corporate Chief Marketing Officer and nonprofit President, he excels in expertly addressing a myriad of crises covering military, government, corporate, charity, and startup environments. His hands-on crisis communications experience includes handling employee and executive misconduct, cybersecurity attacks, product recalls, mass layoffs, large-scale accidents, criminal investigations, and civil litigation matters. So joining me today from the bright, sunny skies of San Diego, California, (laughs) is Dave Oates, President of Public Relations Security. Dave, welcome to the podcast. (laughs) It's great to see you. Yeah, nice and sunny today as we're taping this. I'll take it. Good. So let's talk about really... What areas do you believe most public relations crises now occur in? It's online. And that's really why any business of any size is now finding themselves having to at least think about, if not prepare for, crisis communication events. You know, when you and I were starting in this communications business 20-odd years ago, it was all about the newspapers, the local TV stations, and some of the national media news outlets and cable outlets. And, and that was essentially it. And then websites came along that were sort of expanding a little bit, but not really to the degree that we see now. And that's because social media, but even more importantly, the smartphones now make anybody, whether they're qualified as a journalist or not, to be a broadcaster, right? Everybody's carrying around a device in their pocket that has a camera, microphone, and a distribution system Mm -hmm. without an FCC license. And most of them aren't necessarily trained in the art of journalism, but they feel not only that they can, but in some cases they feel obligated that if they see something that maybe they take out of context or they see something wrong, they will publicize it and they will disparage an organization without even thinking about it at a moment's notice. That then picks up, goes viral, And the next thing you know, you've got a matter that when somebody else, a customer, a partner, a potential employee, Googles you, your name, or your organization's name, boom, this pops up on the first page of Google. And that's the crises most organizations will face. Are there the big ones, you know, that still are the big, ugly press conferences and the national news and 
breaking it. Yeah, that still happens, and those are largely for the big organizations. But the social media and pervasiveness of the smartphone makes any organization of any size the target of a reputation that could put them out of business. Well, then, under those circumstances, let's start talking about how one begins to prepare to address something like that. Easy. Uh, it means managing a social media and Internet presence. And this is where I think a lot of organizations, small, sort of leave it to, you know, uh, and understandably so, maybe a part-time person, maybe a maybe an intern or things of that nature. And that's fine for the day-to-day -day stuff, the content generation, the posting of maybe special deals you have going on in your store or different things you have going on in the office, all fine. But at the management level and in times the ownership level, you need to be monitoring what type of chatter people are starting to put out there about you or your organization. And there are free tools that you can do that that don't require you to hire an agency like mine or certainly you know, have a big expensive budget item that you can't afford. But you need to not only have a steady stream of content and followers that you may put out on a regular basis to promote your organization, but you need to monitor what's being said so you're not the last person to know when somebody takes a pot shot at you. That includes online reviews. That includes all social media platforms, whether you use those or not. That also includes you know, popular blogs like medium.com or things like that that people can sign up pretty easily and post whatever they want on that. Mm -hmm. And you know, certainly if you do that, and see what's out there, you'll be able to respond to things before they become a crisis. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, that's the big thing. People will write and say negative stuff on social media because for whatever reason, incorrectly maybe, they feel disenfranchised. They feel voiceless. And they'll take that out you know, on an Instagram post. And if you're there to be able to engage them, we can talk about how to do that, uh, you may find that the crisis abates pretty quickly. If you're the last person to know, and that thing starts to fester, it becomes a mess. Now, when you particularly mentioned uh, people who feel voiceless, uh, I'm, I'm hearing maybe two different categories. They could be uh, either uh, employees who felt that you know they don't have a way up to to voice their frustrations, or uh, customers who felt that they didn't get the service that they should uh, get for spending money with your company. Uh, how do you manage the, those two situations? Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. Those are the two more pop, more common occurrences for any organization. When you see those things occurring, there are opportunities you may have both online and offline, and I think both of them are important to do simultaneously where you can engage somebody and say, hey, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm sorry you feel that way. Let's open the dialogue. We'd like to see how we can come to a resolution on this one there. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you have to admit culpability when, when none is to be made. It doesn't mean you have to say you're necessarily you're sorry if there's nothing to be sorry for. But you need to recognize that in any crisis communications event, I don't care the size of the organization, I don't care the event, I don't care the situation, I don't care the audiences, you need to respond with two distinct things. You need to show empathy that you feel their pain, you recognize they are feeling for whatever reason disenfranchised, and that also you wanna uh, implement an action plan to fix that. If you provide empathy and action, you have the best chance of having to diffuse the tension and get to a point where you can find out what's really going on. Now, I said, you know, you don't have to say you're sorry if there's no apology necessary, but in cases, uh, we all make 
mistakes, right? We all don't bring our A game every day. We all have bad moments. And if there is something where you didn't do a certain activity because you were expected to, you should own that and own that right away. Mm -hmm. and, be, and if you do that, you may have a little bit of pain up front, but it will save yourself a whole lot of pain on the back end. So respond to empathy in action, both online and offline. See if you can come to a resolution on that. And as you start to have those dialogues, chances are you'll be able to diffuse the tension and, and, and get back to normal operations as quickly as can. And that's the ultimate goal when you're dealing with a crisis event. How do you get to a communication strategy that gets you back to normal operations as quickly as you can, get you back to making money, making profitability, getting people productive? That's the goal. Let's talk a little bit more about planning because, um, and I've heard some of this before, one of the things that caught my attention is that very few organizations sit down and plan how to prevent things from happening to begin with. It's not 100% sure, but at least, you know, you might be able to prevent things that could happen because you didn't have a plan uh, as compared to waiting for it to happen and then have a plan to try to squelch it or fix it. So there, there are two different areas here. You know, how can we sit around and ask ourselves what could possibly go wrong here and then how would we address that? And when I say we, I mean the entire company. I mean, everybody from the custodian to the chairman, because uh, emergencies can happen anywhere. But how about that planning to prevent it from happening, and then the planning that once it happens, here's what here's what we do, who does what, when, and how. Yeah, you're right. Not not many organizations plan as much as they could, and I get why, right? Especially the small to mid-sized businesses who don't necessarily have the time uh, or the resources in order to do a lot of stuff. And they're picking and choosing whether they work in the business or on the business at any given day. And if it's not a crisis right now, I've got five other things I got to work on. Like I get it, but you find that a little bit of planning for things that just inherent to any organization you may face, particularly in a crisis situation will save you a big headache later on and also save you from hemorrhaging sales and profitability when you least can afford to have those things happen. So any organization, first off, is going to likely encounter, if you hire people, likely encounter an employment issue. It doesn't have to be a big class action wage and hour claim that you see a lot of big organizations facing with, but it might be somebody who just was ticked off at their boss and will write something on Glassdoor. How are you going to prepare for that? Who is going to respond? Who mm -hmm. is monitoring that? Those type of planning disciplines are really essential for any organization that has a part-time employee, a 1090, you know, as we call it, 1099, sorry, contract employee, or a full-time employee, because those things are likely to happen. Right. These are the people who day in and day out are working with, yes, there could be a miscommunication, that kind of stuff happens. If you're dealing with a customer, particularly on the retail side or the consumer side, there's a really good chance that one out of the hundred and some odd people you deal with on a daily basis is going to feel like they didn't get what they thought they were promised, and boom, there's a Yelp review on there. Mm -hmm. And I think those are the kind of things that, again, with some planning about how often are you monitoring that, who is, who is going to respond, how are you responding, what are the kind of situations you may find yourself in with empathy and action will go a long way to preventing something from cascading to a full-on crisis 
where now nobody's getting the work that they need to get done because they're dealing with this matter. Those are just two examples. There's plenty of others that every organization of every side will deal with, but I think those are the two most common ones dealing with customers and employees. Mm-hmm. You, you know, that's interesting because um, having gone to a couple of seminars, one of the things that I noticed that is that some things that people just don't plan on, as you said before, it could be one of your vice presidents uh, gets pulled over for drunk driving. Uh, that's something you probably <laughs> hadn't thought of. It could very well happen, you know, on a whatever it is, uh, uh, Cinco de Mayo, whatever day it it's ha- just happens to happen. Who is going to handle that sort of thing and how should it be handled that perhaps people don't think about? So, you know, as I said, having everybody around the table coming up with ideas of what could go wrong, that might be a rather extensive uh, uh, plan, but at least it's, it's uh, comprehensive and who knows, uh, people know who is going to do what, when about something like this? And depending on the circumstances, you'll have multiple audiences you've got to address. Mm-hmm. It won't be just you know your public-facing customers and maybe your business partners and things like that. But don't forget your employees. I would submit to you that I think employees are always the number one priority in any crisis communication plan. You've got to arm your staff with the information that they need to be able to convey that to your customers and your business partners. They're your first line of marketing, offense, and defense. If they feel like they understand what the organization is doing about it, they feel like the organization cares about them, and that they are actually trying to make things right to get back to normal operations, they're your biggest asset in a crisis communication standpoint. And a lot of organizations forget that. They'll go right to a press release or a social media post, forget to tell their staff what's going on. And then when people call in or email in and that staff member has got to respond, they may just be caught flat-footed because they don't know what to do. And then Mm -hmm. they'll feel disenfranchised and they'll start writing stuff on Classdoor and it becomes this, this real mess at the end of it. So, yeah, think about your employees as your audience first and then who else you need to talk to and make sure that that happens in short order. And that's where the planning and preparation come in. So basically what I'm hearing from this is that the entire company, or at least all the managers from every different department, they need to come together to begin to work on some sort of a comprehensive crisis communication plan, what we can do to prevent it from happening, and then how how we involve everybody here in, in that, because most employees are the primary uh, ambassadors for an organization anyway, because they're all over the place, and if they don't speak well of you, then you've got a problem there, Because but treating them well, how to go about it having opportunities for them to speak to the senior management, those kinds of things probably should be put into a plan as well. Absolutely. It's no different than any other risk management strategy you have in place there. So if you've got an office building, people should know where the fire exit is. Who's going to be doing roll call to make sure everybody is accounted for, right? How are you going to shut off equipment, things like that? This is a similar type of fire drill exercise. If you've got people calling your organization and your executives and other individuals reputation into question, things start to happen very quickly to the detriment of that company's ability to make money, make profits, keep people employed. So having sort of a general discipline as to what to do and involving all of the people that will have to communicate to one of the one audience, including internal, is essential, right? Like any other risk management plan. You mentioned fire, and that brought up another thing that I had thought about is that if a company does have a fire, there should be some plan, assuming that, you know, a lot of things are damaged, then some plan is, to, okay, well, fine, we've had this fire, we can't come back in this building, 
Where do we go? What do we do <laughs> yeah. now that we have this fire, and how do we get our business back up to running while this uh, plant or office is being repaired? So that sounds to me like something that at least should be thought about in some plan in place to uh, to address it. It's a great point to bring up, too, because a lot of crises don't happen during, you know, nine to five hours, the normal business cycle. They happen at night, right? When mm-hmm. stuff, And, of course, even if they don't happen at night, you may have a top uh, executive team or communications person or marketing person who's on vacation, right? Who's, who's checked out, who's off the grid. And who else is going to be in charge of getting things going? Because you can't wait for that individual to come back from wherever they're at. Right. <laughs> in most cases, particularly in a crisis that occurs starting online, you've got about an hour to respond. This isn't the day where, you know, you could wait and respond to a report at the end of the day and make sure it gets in the deadline and you can think about all this sort of what is it that you want to do and figure out who's going to say what and sort of build the plan on the fly. The way in which we all communicate now, thanks to these little devices we carry around, means stuff can get out there in moments. And if you don't address that, the narrative will be set by somebody else, largely to your detriment, then will become the de facto truth because it's already out there and starting to get shared and followed and whatnot. And that just becomes a bigger hassle longer term that you have to spend a considerable amount of time and money to repair. It's doable to do so, but if you can respond in short order and train other people to pick up the slack and to step up when others are not available, Mm -hmm. that would be important to the risk management and crisis communication strategy. You know, just as we've talked in these few minutes, I just hear so many things that people need to consider, people being companies, small companies, large companies, corporations, organizations, nonprofits that need to consider as they put together a crisis communications plan, because a lot of folks probably hadn't even thought that far down the road. That's, you know, like, okay, we'll find there's a fire, who who goes where and what do we do? But, uh, you know, where we report the next day, once we can't get back in our building, how do we do that? How do we get to our information on our computers? Was it backed up? You know, there are a lot of things that go into this planning and I can see that to do it well, it's gonna take some time. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. This is no different than any other sort of strategic plan that people should have. And let's go back, right? I get why most don't have one. You've got 10 different things you got to get done today, five of which are, are, you know, legitimate fires. Like I had, these are top priorities and this gets pushed back. But if you devote a little bit of time every day, kind of like working out, right? Mm-hmm. Just a little bit of time every day and you'll wind up having a really good solid foundation to stave off what I believe most organizations will face at one point is a crisis communication event. It may not make the newspapers. It may not make the six o'clock news. It may not make what I would call sort of mainstream. That's not where people get their information nowadays. They get their information because they're following some organization or some entity or some influencer on TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and whatnot. And if your story gets picked up by somebody like that and shared, in a negative fashion, that's where your reputation will be called into question, and that could be detrimental to your business. So preparing for those little things along the way, making that a little bit bigger of a priority will go a long way to preventing anything like that from taking down your organization. Mm-hmm. You know, it, this really begins to, to me to begin to sound like this is a reason to have a retreat. I mean, companies have retreats to plan, yeah. uh, you know, our sales uh, for next year. Well, because of the magnitude of, of a potential crisis uh, situation and all the things that need to be addressed in it, this sounds like a, a retreat would be uh, valid and uh, warranted uh, to do it right. I, I would agree, right? And again, this goes back to 
how much time do you afford yourself to work on the business and not in the business? Mm-hmm. On the business will keep your head up, looking forward, figuring out where the pitfalls are and the opportunities. And while I get that a lot of companies are having a difficult time trying just, you know, get staff in to come in and, and make the day work, taking a little bit of time to do that and incorporating some crisis communications, what if scenarios in that process uh, will serve you well. And that is in this day and age where everybody is a broadcaster, as we talked about, is essential. Mm-hmm. You know, one other thing, and, and we talked about this before we began to roll here, is that uh, I've seen organ- some organizations offering a certificate in crisis communications. Have yeah. you any thoughts about that in terms of where the value is? Because some of the things that we've talked about uh, don't seem to fit uh, in that category to be very, very effective. But you have any thoughts about the value of a certificate in corporate communications? You know, I appreciate the fact that those are starting to be offered from this standpoint. I think more and more people recognize because organizations of any size can have their reputation be called into question that there needs to be some training, some familiarization, some awareness from that. But I will say that if you expect to take, and, and I have some courses, I should, full disclosure, I have some courses on LinkedIn Learning that talk about crisis communication for HR and also for dealing with ransomware and things like that. Mm-hmm. They're really designed, and you know, you can get a certificate from that, but they're really designed to be sort of the high level, I want to put this just in your mind to think about, and a couple of things that you need to do with some rudimentary checklists if for if you're just left with no other resource, right? But this is an art as much as anything else, and it's a perishable skill that if you don't practice it, like you would practice good sales techniques, like you would practice good operational techniques, good financial management disciplines, good HR practices, you don't practice this, it's a perishable skill that'll be lost that at the time of a real crisis, you'll be a little bit late to the game even with that certificate that's tucked away somewhere in a file on your computer <laughs> mm-hmm. or you know on a plaque on your desk, and, and that's all well and good. So I don't begrudge the certification programs. I think they're really good in sort of generating the awareness, but I would submit that if you don't practice this art and don't have regular sort of reminders about what are the things you're supposed to do, taking a course you know, three, six, nine, 12 months ago, uh, isn't probably going to be enough to get you through a crisis communication situation. Mm-hmm. I, I, I certainly agree with you. Now, we've covered a lot in our time here. I'm just wondering, are there any things that we have not discussed that you think need to be discussed? I just would say that this. Uh, there's always a discussion about why are we paying so much attention to the social media comments and the so-called cancel culture and Aren't we just given this more credibility for that? And, you know, that's a really good discussion that I get from business owners to say, gee, you know, societally, is this where we want to go? And I think there's a time and a place for that kind of conversation. And I'd love to have that over a cup of coffee or, you know, your favorite adult beverage and sort of pontificate about life. Whether you like it or not, though, this is the reality of the situation in which organizations find themselves. And if you want to continue as a going concern, Right now, these are the kind of things you're going to have to deal with. And my job is to make sure that organizations can to get back to normal operations as quickly as they can and be that, you know, be that company that employs people and does great service and, pro- you know, gives great products to the customers. And, you know, we can discuss the what fors and whys and if sos, you know, at another day. Oh, great. 
Well, Dave, I want to thank you so very, very much for providing what I consider some very, very valuable in, uh, information to our listeners. And uh, I want to let the listeners know that our guest today has been Dave Oates. He is the president of Public Relations Security. And I want to thank him for sharing all of this wisdom today. And I also want to thank you as listeners for uh, joining the podcast again today. And, and if you've enjoyed it, we'd certainly like to get some reviews for, from you. And, of course, if you'd like to learn more about the podcast, you can simply go to YouTube and uh, look up the uh, Public Relations Review podcast. So once again, thank you for listening, whether you're in the U.S. or anywhere else around the world. We appreciate it. And join us for the next edition of the Public Relations Review Podcast. This podcast is produced by Communication Strategies, an award-winning public relations and public affairs firm headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us.